Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast, the original all-turkey, all-the-time podcast with your co-hosts Andy Galliano and Cameron Weddington. In our weekly podcast, we're going to bring you some wild turkey calling tips like this. From there, we're going to go into, she's aggravated, there's another hen that's challenged her, or she's challenging another hen, she's going to cut an excited yelp. Advice from old pro turkey hunters like this. The turkeys typically don't like, I think, more times than not, to travel in an easterly direction into the sun first thing in the morning, especially after he gets up. It's a blinding thing. It, it, it's just like you. It's hard for you to see into the sun. Mm-hmm. So if I have a choice, I'm going to try to make it so that I'm going to be on the west side in the morning east side in the afternoon of a turkey exciting live hunts like this holy crap they're coming teach you how to cook your bird with advice such as this with some fresh rosemary and garlic and then cool that off and spread that along the inside of that butterflied turkey breast that we've seasoned on both sides wildlife management tips for your property especially with turkeys like this if you look at the type of habitats that turkeys need for nesting and brooding that tends to be habitat that can be managed more successfully with growing season fire than with dormant season fire. And hopefully along the way, we'll get plenty of these. Well, on November the 28th of 1953, I was attached. When I popped out of my mom and the baby doctor spanked me on the bottom, I went, oh, and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for tuning in, and now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 354, All Things Turkey, with Jim Cassida. And I am your co-host, and the guy who is back from a little bit of a vacation. Just a long weekend, but I'm back, baby. I'm back. He's back. I'm your co-host and the guy who, if he went to Kroger right now to buy a turkey, they'd probably refuse to give me one. Mm, that's tough, man. That, that's that's where I am right now with this fall gobbler hunting stuff, man. It's it's brutal. And I was on them with the bow, man. They were all over the place. It's like I couldn't beat them off of me, except for I was missing them constantly. <laughs> and then gun opened, and my gosh, it's like they all dug holes and went underground. I, I, I can't get them. I, I went Saturday morning. I, I was on them. The only problem was I was on them before it got light. And after a two-mile walk, 53 minutes of walking through hell, 
uh, blew them out of the trees 10 yards before I sat down. Yeah, and they all flew right. perfectly together, which is the worst thing that can happen in the fall because then you got flocked up, sketched out gobblers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You didn't even bust up the flock. That's pretty yeah. bad. Yeah. I mean, if they had busted up well, then it would have been a blessing, you know, but it, it didn't work out. And then Sunday I had to get to church and I was about. 50 yards from my car running because I was running late and I got a pregnant wife. I don't want to poke the hornet's nest. That's what I'm saying. And I'm running and I pause to catch my breath and ow, one of them hammered right over the ridge from me. <laughs> I was like, you sorry joker. So I got in the car and went to church, but I know where he is. I'm going back this weekend. There you go. I, I can't even make that up. They gobbled. I mean, late in the morning in the fall, they usually aren't gobbling. And here this joker is. He gobbles once right before I get in the car. That's awesome. Where did you get vacation? Tammy and I took a little trip down to the Gulf Coast. And so had All a right. long weekend, but it was a quick trip. But anytime we can get down there, I enjoy myself. So. And yeah, hey, it's a good time to be enjoying yourself with your wife because in 167 days, it's going to be war. How about 155, 12 hours, 20 minutes, and 37 seconds? That's right. You're before me. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Going to be That's here closing in quick. Yeah, we're we're well past the halfway point now. Yes, sir. Yeah. I mean, you, you think about it, Thanksgiving, Christmas, NWTF convention, turkey season. I mean, it's just going to be bang, bang, bang. Well, don't forget about the Unicoi show. That'll oh, be yeah. First weekend, or actually, I guess the second weekend, but the first, I guess the first full week of January at the end of that first full week. So, yeah. Yeah, so we got all kind of stuff coming up. But All kind of stuff. We got Baby Weddington coming as well. Yeah, two and a half weeks to due date, man. Man. She has had her first contraction, and we are going to be hatching a poult very soon in our household. You're on notice then, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I would just hope she doesn't show up at about 7 a.m. Saturday morning, because I'm going to be in the woods turkey hunting, and I won't catch too many uh, good graces if I miss that. You will absolutely catch zero good graces <laughs> if that happens. That's right. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Everything's going to go smooth. I'm going to get a gobbler. And have something to eat for Thanksgiving. But till then, we've got the turkey historian himself. Yeah. Historian and turkey figure in my mind, Jim Cassida today, and, and a heck of an interview. It is a heck of an interview. He is a heck of a nice guy. And not only that, there's a record broken today. Oh, yeah. Forgot that happened. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. This is a good one. This is a good interview. I, I say me and you shut up. And let's, let's get into this thing. Let's do it. All right. See you guys on the other side. Hey, Jim. It's Andy Galliano. How are you hey, this morning? Hey, how are you? I'm very well. How about you? Hey, I'm fine. I'm a... Uh, up and about, so as to be about, as my grandpa used to say, and able to come up to the table and take nourishment. So I'm doing just fine. Hey, can't uh, we can't complain about that at all, can we? Nope. Good deal. Hey, hey Mr. Jim, this is Cameron Weddington. Good morning. Good morning, sir. Yeah, so Cameron's my co-host, and we're looking forward to talking to you. Cameron's a big-time turkey hunting book fanatic, I should say, and uh, so uh, I have a feeling because i don't read a whole lot i have a feeling that you guys are going to be talking for days about <laughs> books here but i'll try not to go too much but <laughs> i did just finish your book remembering the greats uh, one of my favorites so far honestly well thank you uh it's a book i really enjoyed writing uh the 
history and lore of the sport has always had a great appeal to me. And, of course, the fact that my background training and career roots, so to speak, lie in being a, well, I'm a recovering professor, let's just put it that way. And uh, <laughs> in my, my field was history, and that's where my graduate degrees uh, are. And so the history of sport and, indeed, the history of pretty much anything I'm deeply involved with intrigue and move my soul. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that's what I was going to say with uh, with you. You kind of seem like the historian of, of turkey hunting to me. You kind of, with your library and your books you've written, it, it keeps the history alive of, of people who've come before us that have lived in the sport. Well, uh, there's certainly a, a degree of truth, or I hope there's a degree of truth in that, because I very firmly believe, uh, there's an old adage among historians, uh, you can't know where you're going if you don't know where you've been. And uh, I like to uh, think that I'm contributing my small part to uh, letting others know where we've been. Or if you want to put it another way, uh, there's a great Canadian songwriter, singer-songwriter, Ian Tyson, uh, who wrote a song and sang it about Charlie Russell. And the repeated refrain in that is, uh, got to get her all down, boys, before she's all gone. And that's sort of the approach I've taken is to try to get some of this wisdom and knowledge down, passed on by these old-timers before they're gone or before the uh, lore of the sport that they left for us uh, somehow vanishes. And so uh, that was what underlay uh, remembering the greats. And I was blessed to have known uh, eight or ten, I'd have to go back and count. But I knew a number of the people covered in that, although uh, I made a conscious decision when I started the book, or fairly on in the book, uh, not immediately, but that I was only going to include uh, individuals who were deceased. And what hardened that decision and uh, in some ways got my butt out of a ringer was that I started having – modern legends or some in some cases legends in their own mind and not much more uh, deciding uh, that they wanted to be in the book and uh, i figured out the answer to that real uh, rapidly uh, i just started telling people well the the only way you can qualify is that the first qualification is to be deceased and uh, that took care of that i didn't have to worry yeah. about uh, uh wannabes or uh, uh self-appointed gurus uh pestering me to uh, chapter devoted to them i had solved that problem <laughs> yeah i think i think they probably decided they'd rather remain out of the book probably as long as possible yeah. <laughs> uh, yep uh, that took care of that one issue for sure yeah, yeah. well let me ask you I, I know i'm talking a lot right now but you mentioned something and it was one of the questions i had thought about since you have studied the history of turkey hunting so much what do you think is you know, what are your thoughts on turkey hunting today compared to where it's been? Are you, do you think we're in a positive trend, a negative trend, or just what are your thoughts on today's turkey hunting compared to what you've studied and, and seen through your life? Well, you, you've opened Pandora's box and you just shut me up when I go too far because I've got a whole <laughs> bunch of reactions uh, okay. uh, to that. First, first of all, of course, today's turkey hunting involves, for the greatest part, Uh, spring hunting. There are still a good many states uh, that have fall hunting, but it's not widely uh, pursued. Whereas in yesteryear, 
uh, turkey was a fall. Uh, turkey hunting was a fall and winter sport, and in fact, one of the uh, true greats of the sport, Henry Edwards Davis, uh, uh, once wrote something to the fact: uh, uh, any fool can kill a lovelorn old gobbler in the spring. It takes a real hunter <laughs> to call a long beard to the uh, gun in the fall, and uh, and of course, uh, it is easier. Uh, now, as far as the nature of sport then versus now, there are far more turkeys today uh, than there were 75 or 100 years ago. No question about that. And uh, today's turkey hunters are a very different breed. The old-timers, almost without exception, were highly secretive. Uh, they uh, yielded their wisdom with great reluctance, if at all, and uh uh, that was the case with me. My mentor was a guy, there's a chapter on him in Remembering the Greats. His name was mm-hmm. Parker Wheaton. And Parker was as secret as they come, but he somehow took a liking to me early on. I think part of it might have been that I had access to really good turkey land, and that made me a little easier <laughs> to like because uh-huh. he, could, yeah. <laughs> he could have access. But ever so often he'd decide uh, it was time to... Uh, uh, share another secret with me, and he never never did it directly. It was uh, I'd call with my latest tale of misery or mischance or messing mm-hmm. up uh, uh, some kind of a misadventure, and there were plenty of those. And he would listen patiently, uh, chuckle a little, and say, well, next time you might want to try this or you might want to try that. And, and what he was doing in a roundabout way was saying, well, uh, uh, here was the here's the approach I would have taken, and you might want to uh, uh, venture in that direction the next time you encounter mm-hmm. this particular uh, situation. But secretiveness was a a major part of the old time way, and of course, just the opposite is true today. This conversation we're having being one example, uh, but yeah. there's printed material, there are videos, there are television shows uh, in great abundance, uh, all of them offering all kind of a uh, uh, tips uh, and today's sport is different in another way. There are so m- many more appurtenances and gear. Uh, the traditional turkey hunter was a minimalist. Uh, he uh, he took to the woods uh, with a, a gun uh, and probably uh, earth tone clothing, uh, but not much more. Uh, there was no camo uh, per se. Uh, you know, I hope your major sponsors will forgive me if one of them's a a camo company, uh, but we don't have uh, any right now, so you're good. To okay, right. all right. Well, I, I can I can feel, feel like I've got Liberty Hall, then. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, there you I, go. I, I get along well with all of them. I, I consider uh, the, the uh, key men and uh, Tree Park, uh, Jim Crumley, and then uh, the uh, successors, uh, uh, Mossy Oak and Realtree. Uh, uh, they're all friends. They're all people I've hunted with. Uh, but I think if you pin them down, ultimately, they would tell you that uh, the ability to keep still, uh, the ability to uh, hide well, uh, and the ability to avoid movement in general uh, was what defined uh, dealing with a turkey. And, I, and I'll give this a splendid classic example. Uh, uh, my mentor once, basically to make the point, killed a turkey with a Santa Claus suit on and. Uh, in other words, he took to the woods in full red. And, you know, the point was quite simple that uh, I got a turkey within range uh, with me looking like a great big red sore thumb. 
sticking out there, uh, but I was able to uh, uh, keep still. And so camo as part of it, but other things. I mean, there were uh, seldom, if ever, any use of decoys. Usually uh, hunters used one type of call as opposed to being uh, uh, versatile. They called far, far less than today. So there were a lot of differences. Uh, Now, the other thing is turkey numbers. Uh, Actually, in my experience over the last decade, turkey hunting in terms of likelihood of numbers of encounters with turkeys uh, is in the decline, and that's that's sort of sad news, and uh, I don't think the biologists fully know what's going on, although they've got uh, lots of theories, but you try to pin one down, and they're as elusive as a night crawler uh, when you shine a light on it. Uh, it's hard to get a definitive opinion. Uh, and you know, I've got lots of personal theories, but uh, what I can say without any doubt whatsoever is that on my personal stomping grounds and the places I have to hunt, places I have known for 30 or 40 years, there are far fewer turkeys today uh, than there once were. Um, uh, to me, the uh, where I live, which is upstate South Carolina, uh, the golden age of turkey hunting uh, was the 1980s and early 1990s, and and that was true beyond South Carolina because I traveled a lot to turkey hunt at that time, and uh, uh, we just uh, we don't have the uh, number of birds uh, we once did, and and I'm not just uh, a voice crying in the wilderness. All my turkey hunting buddies that I talk to regularly, uh, Jim Spencer, for example, who's a well-known turkey writer. Uh, from out in Arkansas, and he and his wife travel eight or ten states every year. He would, he would echo what I'm saying to the nth degree that uh, the number of birds heard, the number of encounters, number of birds worked is down. And and there are probably several explanations to that. One is numbers. Turkey numbers are down. The uh, second numbers is that hunter numbers are up and up a lot. And then most hunters, and I'm certainly one of them don't have as much access to land as once was the case. Uh, land is getting locked up in leases. Uh, posted signs are uh, common as pig tracks. Uh, you, you're not going to get free permission to hunt. Lease rates are sky high. Uh, the, the hunter faces a lot of problems. So uh, uh, in some ways, the National Turkey Wild Turkey Federation has created a monster, and that monster takes the form of millions and millions of hunters who uh, keep guys like you in business, but uh, by the same token, uh, uh, probably uh, make it a bit tougher uh, when you take to the woods. Told you I had a long-winded answer, so there's a there's yeah. a bunch of thoughts in that regard. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel like the sport has lost its mystique a little bit from back in the old days because of the the readiness of or availability of information? You know, that is an interesting question, one I really hadn't thought of, but um, it it certainly uh, strikes a responsive chord with me because, uh, in one word, my answer would be uh, yes. And to me, Mystique comes in part from the ongoing learning experience, and I almost feel sometimes that the learning experience is, is too easy today, although... Having said that, I would hasten to uh, add that uh, there is no graduation day in the school of turkey hunting. Uh, when True. you think uh, when you think you uh, have become an accomplished, fully 
certified master uh, year in for a fall. It it, it happens. Uh, I'd kill fifteen or twenty turkeys, and I, you know, I'd gotten a bad case of the big britches. Uh, I, I thought that uh, I was a, a turkey killing machine, and I had called eight or ten in a row to the gun and killed them. And uh, boy, did things turn on me. One. Uh, came up and wasn't five yards behind me a big tree and uh i didn't know whether the turkey was in the world and gobbled and uh i didn't mess my pants but i probably did levitate uh (laughs) and uh it it disturbed me so much that uh i missed the next three turkeys i shot at over the ensuing uh, weeks and uh it had just messed with my mind and i now know that there's uh, no such thing as a a turkey killing machine. There are some people that uh, get that idea, but uh, sooner or later they'll be disabused of uh, uh, that uh, particular uh, thought. So, yeah, to me, there is a mystique to the sport, and the most meaningful aspect of that mystique for me has been the ongoing education. Uh, a great old Virginia turkey hunter by the name of Frank Hanningcraft. Uh, wrote a book, The Education of a Turkey Hunter, and uh, that's a wonderfully chosen title because education involves a lot of uh, facets. And then maybe my favorite title for all turkey books was by uh, uh, the late Louisiana hunter, uh, Kenny Morgan, and it was Turkey Hunting, a One-Man Game. And in its purest form, uh, in its true essence, Turkey hunting is a one-man experience. It's you uh, against the the wild turkey, and you can call him your adversary uh, or whatever you wish, but it's a one-on-one experience, just you and a bird with pea-sized brain, but uh, a great desire to live, and uh, a mistake for him is the end of life, whereas a mistake for you is go home and lick your wounds and try it another day. so uh, yeah, I, you know, you've in fact you've planted a seed. I'll probably be pondering that and writing about it somewhere. Uh, magically vanishing mystique of the wild turkey or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, again, uh, I've been long-winded, but the answer is yes. I think some of the mystique has vanished in the face of a welter of products and informational uh, material uh, and what have you. Right. Yeah. We Cameron and I have. What would you say, Cameron, within the past three months or so, just kind of, mm-hmm. oh, semi-jokingly called this the hypocrite podcast? Because mm-hmm. we don't uh, we don't want to share turkeys with anybody, but yet we're helping people to go out and be successful in the... Well, in, you know, I've done the same the thing. I've written about them for a long, long time. I've done, I don't know, I guess three original books, uh, edited a fourth collection of Archibald Rutledge Turkey Tales, and contributed mm-hmm. to a bunch of other books, as well as writing hundreds and hundreds of articles for uh, state, regional, and national magazines. So uh, I, I'm part of the hypocrisy, too, uh, uh, no question uh, about it. But uh, if you understand that, at least you uh, have some appreciation of the uh, uh, the ethos of the sport, uh, the meaning, but uh, it can, yeah, and I've hunted pretty much everything you can hunt, and I've hunted uh, not only in this country, but abroad for various game species, but uh, uh, wild turkeys are different for me than anything else. I'm going deer hunting this afternoon. 
I'll enjoy every minute of it. But having said that, there, there's nothing quite like uh, the wild turkey. Uh, how a 20-pound bird can lay hold of a corner of your soul is not something I can explain. It's better experienced in person than uh, provided in print. I guess I can't say that much. You, you've got to do it to understand it. Uh, but it is special, and uh, folks like the two of you and folks like me uh, are our own worst enemy in some ways because the old-timers uh, were on to something when they were secretive and uh, uh, knew that uh, it was uh, something that they best keep to themselves. And I, I was just blessed to have one of them uh, that uh, broke through a little bit, and I guarantee you went to the grave not having shared anything like all that he knew or had experienced with me. But uh, mm -hmm. over time and over many delightful years, uh, Parker, uh, bit by bit, would share something with me. And uh, all the while, though, he was he was emphasizing, and this is the, a key factor, uh, the best lessons in turkey hunting are lessons you learn on your own, and usually they're hard lessons. You've got to learn through the school of hard knocks. And, and Lord knows I've had my fair share of those but any diet in the wool turkey hunter has as well. Uh, and, you know, to give you an example of what I'm talking about, you get a bunch of turkey hunters together in a camp or whatever, and uh, there'll be some uh, hero tales about uh, how I outwitted this old gobbler, but the favorite stories are always stories of misery, <laughs> what mm -hmm. went wrong. Yeah. And, uh, and that goes right to the heart of, uh, the sports appeal. Yeah, mm. yeah. That is, uh, I don't true. think either one of us would would disagree with that statement. Yeah. You know, I, I think a lot of that has to go with the fact of we put ourselves in the stories of others and think, okay, well, what would I have done in that situation, and and would I have been able to kill that bird? And yeah. so, you yeah. know, to me, that's what we don't know about the wild turkey is so much of what makes them so fun and so much of what makes them possess me <laughs> yeah well so, uh, you know it's it's a state of pretty near total unpredictability because just about the time you think you've got some something figured out uh you'll get proof to the contrary uh uh because uh well you know i've written it more than once uh the only certainty in turkey hunting is that there is no certainty Mm -hmm. uh, and that's that's pretty well what it boils down to because uh, uh, if, if you reached the point where you could understand and predict and know what was going to happen, uh, much of the magic of turkey hunting would be gone. It's it's a lure would be no more. It just uh, it wouldn't have the same appeal. Yeah. One thing you mentioned that I've been thinking and kind of voiced to some people a lot is how we're at record number of turkey hunters right now, you know, at least in the modern era. And it's interesting because a lot of, just a disclaimer on this show, we're definitely not making money off of this show. So as of right now, at least, but a lot of industry, you know, people selling camo or guns or calls or whatever, they, they continuously are echoing that we need more hunters. We need more hunters because the hunting's a dying sport kind of thing. And you said, you know, you said we have more hunters now so that we're losing land access and turkey populations aren't doing well. And um, it, it's just interesting to me that you said that because 
I've been seeing that it seems like we're at record number of turkey hunters, and I think we need turkey hunters to have turkeys continue to thrive. But there's got to be at some point uh, there's too many, you know, or there's so many that we don't get much opportunity. And yeah. it's almost like oh, that's it, where we're going. It, it, it is a genuine conundrum, and and I'm old enough and sufficiently lacking in diplomatic skills that I don't care whose toes I. Uh, step on uh, and uh, you know I, I think I said it or hinted at before uh, uh, the National Wild Turkey Federation has created a monster and they've been ably abetted uh, by a, a vast number of industry presences trying to uh, uh, make a dollar and I don't begrudge anyone hard work it's the American way or it used to be at mm-hmm. least uh, not so sure it is yeah. anymore, but uh, uh, a work ethic, a desire to uh, succeed and so forth. But uh, I'm afraid that we have reached a critical turning point, and in all honesty, I won't live to uh, see it, but I am afraid that two, three generations from now, the hunting situation, turkey hunting in particular, because uh, turkey hunting, uh, in its essence, requires a lot of land. I'm afraid we're going to reach a point uh, mm-hmm. uh, where only it's a rich man's sport, uh, which is the way uh, almost all hunting is in Europe today. If you don't own land or if you're not sufficiently affluent to pay the high dollars uh, involved in belonging to an exclusive club that has land, you're out of luck. And... Uh, uh, I mean, if you doubt that, go to any, at least in South Carolina, any public land hunting yeah. area on opening day, you can't even find a parking spot, much less uh, a place to hunt where there's nobody else. Uh, right. It's just, uh, and this whole COVID corona thing has made it worse because people are are isolated or out of work or they're working from home. And they uh, say, well, I believe I'll go hunting on opening day. And there they are. And and I'm fortunate. I own a a very modest piece of land, about 100 acres, but it's got turkeys on it. Uh, so at least I've got a, a place to uh, go. But I've got a good buddy that on opening day, and he had scouted for weeks, and he's a heck of a, a turkey hunter, a really fine, skilled turkey hunter. And... Uh, uh, he said uh, that he got to where he wanted to be at 4 o'clock in the morning, just to be sure he was first, and that there were three vehicles parked at the parking spot where he had hoped to enter National Forest land. And uh, and so yeah. Yeah, I think that's happening all over the country. Uh, in it fact, I, I know it is. Uh, you know, we, we, we've reached a critical mass almost, and so... Uh, that mass is too many it's hard on the turkey but it's it leaves a very uncertain future and so that may sound like doom and gloom and being terribly bleak uh, but uh, i'm afraid i almost hate to think that i might be right but i uh, that's what i feel is uh, the future right now and uh how these conservation organizations, how state wildlife agencies uh, are going to address it um, is a huge problem, and uh, and I certainly don't have any answer. Yeah, yeah I, I think, I mean, I have 
you're, you're echoing my exact thoughts. I mean, the, the more it grows in popularity, the more expensive uh, private land will be. Leases will be harder to get. They'll be more expensive. And I think your public lands will be so overhunted that they're going to have to go to more quota systems. And, you know, a turkey might be like a bighorn sheep one day to go kill for somebody on public land. Yeah. I, I mean, it's worrisome. It is. And, and I mean, I'm no guru or uh, reader of uh, the cards of the future, but I saw 25 years ago that uh, if I didn't somehow manage to get a little land, I wasn't going to have a place to hunt anymore because uh, pubs were dying. The timber companies uh, had changed their whole policy. They were no longer leasing land. And and the long and short of it was I, I bought what I could afford, which wasn't a lot, but it was a a hundred acres, and it may be as as good a move as I've ever made because uh, it had then and it has now uh, ample amount of uh, uh, game on it. But had I not done that, I don't know where where I would hunt, not just turkeys, but anything. Because yeah. in this area, uh, some some lease land is going for as much as sixteen or seventeen dollars an acre per year, and uh, the average guy can't uh, afford to lease land at those sort of rates. Yeah, uh, I mean that. Yeah. Uh, when you when you get up to uh, three or four hundred acres at that that amount per acre, you're talking big money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just full transparency. Like I used to be pretty sold on this. We need more hunters. We need more hunters deal. And then one day I was like, the only people saying this are the ones who profit off every new hunter that comes into the fold. Like. <laughs> I'm a little skeptical now. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and, and I mean, uh, it, there's every reason for the Wild Turkey Federation to promote it and, and want more hunters. And yet, uh, you know, if you do a little looking beneath the surface, uh, they are putting emphasis on uh, save the habitat. And that's a subliminal message. Hey, uh, we got problems in enough land to hunt. Uh, uh, and, and, of course, any manufacturer that is uh, making goods, gear of any kind that uh, serves hunters uh, has a vested interest in making more of them. But uh, the question is, is this a self-fulfilling prophecy of doom? And uh, uh, are we going to kill or are we in the process of having already killed and we're now plucking the golden goose? I, I hope not, and yet I have real concerns. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think that's that's very interesting that you said that because I've I've thought that for a while and so I just wanted to kind of hash that out with you because yeah you've lived well, it, it you've read about it you've written about it you know a, a long time of turkey hunting <laughs> yeah uh, yeah and um, although and this goes back to the question you asked about changes I did not you know I I grew up hunting I you know I kill my first squirrel before uh, my was in double figure age wise uh, and uh, and yet today any number of kids have killed turkeys and deer before they're 10 I actually uh, have reservations about that I, I think uh, maybe in some cases it's too quick but it, in my case it didn't matter because there weren't any turkeys where I grew up and I saw exactly I, I could count them because they, they were so rare I remember I'd seen exactly 10 deer by the time I went off to college at the age of, age of 18, there uh, there weren't any. And so yeah. I came to turkey hunting as as an adult, and deer hunting too, for that uh, 
uh, matter. Uh, but it's it's almost too easy today. A kid goes out uh, if he's got privileged parents or whatever, and a turkey comes in and he shoots it, or he sits in a deer stand and a deer walks by and he kills it. Uh, there's uh, there's no learning curve. There's no uh, uh, road to climb to uh, the peak. Uh, but uh, that, too, is going to change if uh, there's too many. And people worry about hunter recruitment. Uh, I do, too, in terms of younger people. The flip side of that is, though, turkey hunting is a sport where uh, maybe uh, recruitment, uh, not necessarily of kids, but of uh, the total population. Recruitment has been too successful. There are too blooming many of us. That's that's been my thought, because everyone is really quick to point out that hunters, you know, brought back the wild turkey. And that's true, but overhunting is what took them down in the first place (laughs) are we going to go back to that now you know i mean we we did good we put regulation we brought them in but we also overhunted them on the front end so it it can be a a problem and a solution right Uh, just like you're saying my fear is that we're about to go back into the problem phase yeah well i i think we're already there i I think we're uh, there and uh, i i wish the late love at williams who was probably the finest wild turkey biologist this country ever produced. I I wish he was still alive because I would love to hear what he would have to say about the current situation because unlike so many wildlife biologists, Lovett would give you an opinion, and it it was a studied, knowledgeable opinion. And if he didn't know, he'd just say, I don't know. But most biologists will say, well, uh, the jury's still out on that or we need more research. Uh, at this point, uh, it's a little early to make a commitment. Uh, uh, there are no definitive answers at this juncture. Uh, you get that kind of quibbling and equivocation. Uh, Love it wasn't like that. By golly, he'd say exactly what he thought, and in no uncertain terms. And he would have the knowledge uh, to back it up. Uh, and so I wish he was around. I, I would love to hear his take on the current situation, and I have no idea what it would be, but I'll guarantee you would have one, and I I, I would mm-hmm. just love for uh, uh, the modern biologist to uh, say a little bit more, because I, I fear there's quite a bit of uh, political correctness gets involved in the overall scenario, and uh, uh, for example, it's, it's pretty hard to speak out against uh, the Forest Service uh, practices of control burning. Uh, well, some of that control burning takes place, at least in this state, right in the middle of the turkey nesting season. And, you know, there have been many who uh, are loath to address that uh, because, uh, well, the Forest Service is such a big, powerful national entity. Uh, how dare you uh, say anything? Uh, and, uh, you know, you get that. You get the hesitancy to uh, to speak on a problem or... Uh, Another thing, the widespread use of uh, chicken litter uh, for manure and uh, from these huge poultry farms. And uh, I I don't think there's any question that you get concentrated whatever might be bad in that litter, and then you spread it in an area where wild turkeys use. Any disease that that, those domestic chickens or turkeys may have been Mm -hmm. carrying is going to be transferred, and I know of a number of 
pretty solid anecdotal examples uh, where turkey populations have just vanished in the aftermath of uh, uh, pastures being fertilized. So there, there are a lot of these things that you don't hear much about, uh, but they're lurking there in the dark background. And I just, I wish, well, I wish biologists had a little more in the way of guts, or I wish maybe they had a little more freedom to address these, because if their funding's cut off, uh, obviously their, their research ends, uh, but uh, they walk a tightrope, and, and Lovett Williams, bless him, never did uh, walk that tightrope. He just let it go, and he always had studied opinion to back him up. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. The doom and gloom has got me down on a Monday morning. <laughs> yeah, well, I was thinking the same thing. I need to say something positive. Yeah, yeah let's just swap the script here. Let's, let's talk about books a good bit. And, and well, surely people that are listening to this know your name and know that you've written your fair share of books. You've written, I'm not going to say more than your fair share of articles because... I don't believe you get a fair share. I think you just keep writing them and, and we'll keep reading them. But you've got a very, very extensive collection of turkey hunting literature. And yes. So what, just kind of a basic question for me on this, what is the oldest turkey hunting book that you have? Well, that was easy. That was easy. I, I've got the first one that uh, devoted exclusively to the turkey and, uh, uh, it was uh, published uh, shortly before the outbreak of World War One, and published in uh-huh. 1912. Uh, the if you get a copy of it, uh, it'll say that it's by E. A. McElhenney, but yeah. that is is not really the case. Charles Jordan wrote the book in a series of chapters, then was killed by a poacher before those chapters, which had been published as articles, could be brought together, and. Uh, McElhenney got his material, uh, added a couple of chapters of his own, and then put his name on the title page. Uh, I wrote an article within the last year for Sporting Classics, a magazine I've been associated with for a long time about it. And it doesn't amount to plagiarism, but it does amount to uh, taking credit where, or taking too much credit. McElhenney deserves credit for bringing it to the public. What he does not deserve is credit for having written the book because Charles mm-hmm. Jordan uh, wrote yeah. the book. And that's the first one. And then there were uh, three or four more uh, between then and the beginning of uh, the first hints of turkey restoration about the middle of the uh, 20th century. Uh, Tom Turpin wrote a, a tiny little book, which is extremely uh, rare. There were a couple of more or less uh, uh, scientific uh, uh, works. And then in the uh, late 1940s, uh, Henry Edwards Davis's book, The American Wild Turkey, came out. And to me, it remains the single finest volume ever written on the sport because uh, mm. uh, Davis was a masterful hunter. He was uh, a lawyer by trade who was meticulous in his research. Uh, he was a call maker and a gun maker as hobbies. Uh, he had a great deal of experience in uh, turkey hunting. And uh, so, uh, you know, 70-odd years ago, uh, the landmark book of the uh, uh, sport appeared. And, and then since then, uh, of course, came the deluge with the uh, uh, appearance of 
restoration efforts that were functional. Uh, and then beginning, oh, it'd be hard to pin down, but somewhere in the uh, 80s, there were a lot of books published in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, but along about 1980 uh, or thereabout, uh, it began, and I've never tried to count, but there are hundreds of books now devoted exclusively to the wild turkey. A lot of them have been self-published. Some of the self-published books are uh, wonderful effort. I mean, the book you remember mentioned of mine, Remembering the Greats, is self-published. I never would have found a uh, commercial publisher uh, mm-hmm. to do it. And you know, I'd like to think that it's uh, uh, reasonably well done. And uh, good friends of mine like Jim it's Spencer excellent. and Bobby Dale have, have self-published books. But then there are some absolute disasters on the self-publishing front because anybody... <laughs> Uh, can become an author, and some of them are so marginally literate, uh, it's hard for me to call them an author. I won't re- mention names, but I got one individual in mind who uh, uh, he he can't even, uh, uh, he, he wrote a book for novice turkey hunters. That novice is part of the uh, title, and he spells it N-O-V-A-S, and that, that pretty much tells you uh, <laughs> what uh, what the nature of it is. Uh, the, the guy can't even spell uh, and uh, our cemeteries are C I M A T R Y, uh, and uh, and so uh, you know you got a little bit of everything. But the, the long and short of it is, the literature is now rich, and it it was rich before there were a lot of books, there were a lot of articles, and the classic right. example there would be uh, Archibald Rutledge, uh, who uh, never wrote a book on turkey hunting, but he wrote hundreds. Of articles, uh, and uh, there is now a book of uh, Rutledge's, uh, uh, some of Rutledge's turkey articles, but it's a book I put together. I edited and compiled, and I just took what I thought were uh, 30-odd of his uh, greatest uh, turkey stories and did the book. But there were writers like Rutledge. Uh, if you dig in old magazines pre-1950, you'll find a surprising number of turkey articles. It's just that... Uh, well, there weren't enough hunters to justify many books. Mm-hmm. That's what it boiled down to. And so uh, the upsurge in numbers of turkeys been an upsurge in the number of books because there were more readers. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it, it's been a great delight to me. I'm sitting in a room talking to you, uh, uh, looking at, uh, let's see, two, four, six, seven, 14 shelves uh, mm-hmm. holding nothing uh uh, but turkey books, and I don't have everyone's ever been written, but I've got all but four or five that I know about, and and of course I sell turkey books. I've sold turkey books on the side yeah. uh, for um, oh, I don't know twenty five years. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've bought some from you, and for any listeners who would like to look at his collection that he has for sale, you just go to jimcasadaoutdoors dot com. Yep, uh, that's uh, that's my website. Or, or just uh, and you don't know how to pronounce my name like the whole world. It's Cassida. Cassida. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, everybody gets it wrong. I'll go to the doctor's office later today for a follow-up report, and I'll guarantee they're going to say something other than Cassida. And I, I, I'll just laugh. <laughs> and uh, uh, but yeah, or just Google my name if you can't remember JimCastOutdoors.com, and uh, uh, there's a link there with a list of I don't know, probably 300 different titles, turkey books. Yeah that are available and they'll range anywhere from uh ten dollars to a thousand so depending on what your budget is there's something there for you in all likelihood yeah 
Yeah, what let's say of new newly written turkey books, you know, maybe the past ten years, are there any in particular that you just thought were excellent works? Uh, yeah, uh, there are, and I, I mentioned two of the authors just a brief time ago. Uh, Bobby Dale, who is an emergency room doctor down in Mississippi, has uh, written three books, Double Gobble, uh, Bearded Rednecks, uh, and there's a third one that doesn't come to mind uh, immediately, and uh, he's just a delightful teller of tales. And then Cuz Strickland with Mossy Oak has written three books, The Truth, The Whole Truth, and Nothing But the Truth. And then another good friend that I previously mentioned, Jim Spencer, has done two books with the title Bad Birds, Bad Birds 1 and Bad Birds 2, as well as sort of a, uh, what I guess you'd almost call a manual, a turkey hunter's digest, which is a uh, complete guide to uh, uh, the sport. So those are uh, uh, authors of multiple books that come almost immediately to mind. And then I mentioned Kenny Morgan, and right before Kenny died, he uh, finished up a book about, got a weird title, I can't even remember, except Mongrel Dogs is is in the title. And and it's a great contemplative book that I would uh, recommend. The original is, is extraordinarily bare. I, well, I'm looking at it. Walk over here. It's America, Wild Turkeys, and Mongrel Dogs mm-hmm. is, is the title of it. And his, his widow... Uh, took the original, which was, I think, 105 copies, and reprinted it. So it's it's available at a very reasonable price now. Yeah. And yeah. There, there are others. I'm shortchanging somebody simply by uh, uh, not mentioning them. But those are those are ones that come uh, immediately to mind. Yeah. And and if, if someone wants more, I took the ultimate book nuts approach, I guess. Uh, one of my books uh, is entitled The Literature of Turkey Hunting, and it's actually a bibliography of books on turkey hunting, and I attempted to cover everything that had ever been written on the sport in book form uh, up to the time that book was published. I missed one or two things, uh, very rare and obscure uh, uh, little volumes, but I didn't uh, miss much, and that book is available through my website, so you can, and one thing I do, I I comment on every book. I don't simply list a title. I uh, offer uh, my thoughts on the value or lack thereof of the book and uh, try to be uh, uh, honest about it. And I step on some toes and I uh, praise some folks to the heavens. And that's uh, I'm simply saying what I thought. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's yeah. there's been some, and I'm definitely not going to mention any names when I say this, but there's been some self-published books to have come out recently that I just for the writing style, I just could not finish. I just, you know. Well, hallelujah and amen, brother. Yeah. <laughs> Let me hear another amen. Yeah. Uh, there's a good there's a good many of them, and I, I won't mention names either, uh, but there have been some that I've even been sent review copies of them, and, you know, I've chosen not to review them because that's the kindest thing I could do was yeah. not to say in public what I really thought about the book. Uh, I was doing them a favor by And most of those are, well, there are two things. They're terribly written to begin with. Right. Uh, the, uh, the literary level is, uh, is, is awful. And uh, secondly, in many cases, it's so blatantly self-promotional that to me it's a turnoff, a major yeah. turnoff. 
And that is one of the big downsides of self-publishing. Anybody can do it, and it's up to the reader to, I guess, reader beware, in effect. And some of the books that I would lump in the category you're talking about are precisely those that get the most hype on the Internet. Yeah, and that's because that's because whoever wrote it uh, has uh, is hyping it himself, and uh, maybe he's uh, lined a few buddies up too. And and don't get me wrong, he who tooteth not his own horn, his horn probably won't get tooted much. But there is a bridge too far sometimes, and there you're exactly right. I, I'm going on long-winded about it, but uh, those sort of books just flat out frost my grits. That's all I can say. Well, and I, I would I would offer, and, and now it's my two cents, but I would offer my two cents to anyone who wants to write or is in the process of writing a book and is going to self-publish it. And first and foremost, have someone else edit your book for you because... Oh, there's no, there's no question. You're exactly we, right. Yeah, when we write something, we read it as we intend it to be said, but that's not how we often write it. And we can read it three or four times and read it exactly like what we intend it to say, but that is not how it is actually written. And a, yeah. a third party or a second party in this case can pick that up and, and offer that as a correction. And, you know, that's one thing. The other thing is, you know, you, you mentioned an author just a little bit ago that just had terrible grammar and terrible spelling and that kind of thing. But, you know, I, I want to go on the flip side of that and don't write how you don't talk. You know, if you've got a, a 12th grade education, I expect to read a book written by somebody with a 12th grade education. I don't expect them to go in and, you know, have a thesaurus to interpret every fifth or change every fifth word in, in their book to yeah. make them seem like they're more intelligent than they really are, because to me, a lot of that is just hard to read. It is, and you've, you've stepped all over my toes, because I'm guilty in, in that regard. <laughs> I am, I'm bad to use $10 words, but I hope I've been writing long enough to, uh, I am aware of it, if nothing else, but the two things you've said really uh, strike a, a meaningful note with me because I've been writing all my adult life and I've been the editor of a national magazine. Uh, mm -hmm. I've been in editorial positions otherwise. And I can tell you right now, anything that I've ever uh, written for publication, whether I self-published it or otherwise, has had other sets of eyes, not a set, but sets of eyes on it because you are your own worst editor always and yeah. so uh, i i invariably seek someone and uh i've got two books in press right now uh, with two different uh publishers and in both cases i'd like to think they are well done neither one of them have anything to do with turkey hunting incidentally but uh one of them's a university press and the other one is uh, sporting classics magazine which is a book publishing aside to it uh and uh, in each case, expert copy editors have, have looked at them, and in each case, they found not one or two, but dozens of mistakes. And, and I'm not offended. They have done me a great favor. Uh, right. So, yes, any writer or would-be writer desperately uh, needs an editor. And you have to develop your own style and learn to write to your audience. And uh, you know, I, I've got my own style. I readily 
recognize I use too many big words, although I don't think it hurts anybody to be elevated a little bit once in a while. And uh, if I use a, a word that uh, is not familiar, well, uh, I don't want you going to the dictionary constantly, but uh, uh, two times might not be, it might not spoil your day. Uh, right. Uh, and, <laughs> and another thing, if you can get a reader to read your stuff uh, who knows the subject, that's even better because uh, anyone can pick up any good, not anyone, but any good copy editor can pick up uh, general mistakes. Uh, but someone that knows the subject can pick up uh, mistakes related to the subject matter. And nothing irritates me more than to uh, uh, read some author who, uh, even if it's fiction, writing about something, and it's very clear to me they don't know what they're talking about. I, I'm I'm reviewing a book right now on the American chestnut, and the uh, author in the middle of it talks about deer uh, accumulating chestnuts for future use. Well, that's pure unmitigated, B well, BS. I almost got out of line there. Uh, <laughs> hogwash. <laughs> and I'll say so in the review. Uh, you know, don't uh, make up stuff uh, just because it seems logical to you. And, and so... What I'm really saying is it sure does help to know your subject when you're writing about it. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah one thing, Andy, when you were saying that about right kind of how you talk, I immediately thought of Jack Dudley's book because that's how he wrote it. He, he wrote that book just like you're sitting there talking to him. I remember in one part of it he just said, man, we were having fun. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and that, that's, okay. one, that's probably my favorite turkey hunting bug. It's extremely hard to find, but it's uh, yeah, one of if my you got a thousand dollars, you can probably locate a copy. <laughs> that's about Maybe. how. Yeah. It, yeah, it, that, that's the lower end. And I knew Jack personally, and uh, what a character. And and he did. He wrote just like he uh, talked, and uh, in his, his later years was uh, decidedly eccentric. He got into tomato growing, and he, he somehow thought I was going to uh, be able to uh, write about him as the finest tomato grower in the world. Well, he may have been that, but I didn't have much market for tomato growers. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, uh, it was hard to convince you. I'd get these grainy pictures uh, once a week in the mail, uh, uh, Polaroids he'd taken of uh, uh, tomatoes he had staked up, literally uh, up to the top of his roof. He had extended uh, stakes to get them growing uh, up alongside his house, and uh, wow. they were fine tomato plants. But uh, but his book is it's immensely readable, and and another writer from down in that same part of the world, uh, uh, Gene Nunnery, uh, mm -hmm. did two books: uh, the Old Pro Turkey Hunter, and I Will Lift Up Mine Eyes into the Hills. And he's he's appreciably more sophisticated in his expression uh, than Jack, but uh, both of them have the true ring of being genuine, and that's that's what Absolutely. makes a, a book is is genuine. It's somebody that you know has been there and done that and knows where all these speaks uh, are rights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, those two authors are probably my favorites uh, that I've I've read from that are deceased at least, and yeah. I've uh, they're, been they're lucky dead. enough to, to talk to jack dudley's grandson and he actually was able to get me a record of jack dudley doing his natural voice calling which was excellent i, I immensely enjoyed that getting to actually put a voice to the name since i obviously never yeah. met him yep uh, well uh, as i say he was uh, he was uh, a character and 
one of the reasons that book is so rare, I don't think he, I, I'm guessing he printed maybe a thousand, but he just gave them away. <laughs> he just gave them away right, left, and uh, center, and he gave a lot of them to people that uh, really weren't turkey hunters, and of course, uh, most of them probably ended up in the trash or a yard sale or uh, uh, the book being at the local library, and uh, you you just, uh, you you can't find them. I've I've had, of course, I've got a copy of my personal collection, uh, along with some mm-hmm. letters from Jack stuck in it and whatnot. But uh, I haven't had more than three or four for sale over all the years that I've been in the uh, book business, and it's mm-hmm. uh, they just don't come on the market. Yeah, I don't. I got lucky. My mentor in turkey hunting hunted with Jack Dudley, and so he he got a copy. And yeah. the the cover photo uh, on Jack's book, the painter. The painting of the cover is actually in my mentor's home right now. He, it, It's his painting that yeah. was given to him. And so he sent it to Jack to use for the cover, and then Jack signed a book and sent it back to him. So that, right. I well, got to read it that way. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a, a, a fortuitous personal connection. And, of course, that kind of thing always uh, uh, is uh, is a pure delight. Yeah. Yeah, the, so I don't know the legality of it, but I photocopied the book when I had it, so I got I got some I can read it whenever I want. It's just uh, pictures of it. We'll though. we'll cut that out of the of the <laughs> show, Cameron. Uh, you know, uh, well, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't think you're about to get sued, and and I'm not sure as long as you don't try to. Uh, Sell, sell what it. you photocopy it's illegal anyway but don't ask me uh no i don't think anybody want to buy it it's it's crooked and everything else i just wanted the words yeah. well <laughs> but, i'll simply quote uh, i don't uh, i think it was english wit dr johnson the law is an ass uh, and uh and leave it at that but uh, uh yeah as long as you don't start to, trying to peddle it i think you're in good uh, you're on solid ground all right cool yeah andy do you want to We've we've talked for a long time, and I was thinking it'd be fun to do rapid fire Q and A with with Jim because we haven't really talked much about Jim the turkey hunter. We have not, and so Jim, I I haven't mentioned this to you yet, but we do this thing with people that we have on the show for the first time, and and I have to say sometimes some repeat guests because they feel like I slighted them the first the first go round. Ron Jolly. Ron Jolly. Yeah. <laughs> And there, but, there's another book I should have mentioned. Uh, you know, I, I said there'd be some. Ron's book's a pure delight, and uh, uh, and I edited it. I, I, I proofread that book so that uh, I've had really detailed exposure to it. Uh, uh, but uh, but there you go. Um, I told you I'd forget somebody, and and there's a prime example. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're we're not going to pick on him too much. We we love him, and so we're not going to pick on him a whole lot today. But we do this thing, it's called the Rapid Fire Q&A, and what we do is go through and we ask 30 questions, and it's not really about the science of turkeys or turkey hunting, it's just your personal preference preferences. And so one thing that we do to kind of make it a little bit fun is put a little competition to it, and we'll throw a timer up, stopwatch, and time you as we go through the questions, and see if you can beat the fastest time, and I'm going to tell you a secret. It's not Ron Jolly. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, don't don't start the timer yet, because I, I, I probably will come in dead last, because my daddy used to say, 
son, you could talk the ears off a Georgia mule, but <laughs> you've at least alerted me. I will try to be, to use one of those $10 words, succinct and quick in my answer. So go ahead and have at me. All right. Let me pull the timer up here. Okay. I'm going to start the timer when I start the first question. Wild turkey, grilled, baked, or fried? Fried. Wild turkey, on the rocks, neat, with cola, or with water? On the rocks. Number of grand slams? Five. Have you ever killed a bearded hen? Yes. Have you ever killed a jake? Yes. A 10-minute successful hunt on a 2-year-old or a 4-hour-long hunt with a clean miss on a 4-year-old? The latter. Favorite camo pattern? None. Wild turkey legs for the dinner or for the dog? For the soup pot. More or less than five strikers in your turkey vest? Less. The state you killed your first turkey in? South Carolina. The state you killed your last turkey in? South Carolina. Sit in a blind for four hours and squeeze the trigger or run and gun for one hour and not shoot? Run and gun for one hour and not shoot. Rios or Osceolas? Osceolas. Osceolas or Easterns? Easterns. Easterns or Merriams? Easterns. Fields turkeys or woods turkeys? Woods turkeys. Shotgun scope, rifle sight, holographic sight or beads? Bead. Rubber boots, leather boots or snake boots? Rubber boots. Favorite place you've ever hunted? My own property. Most turkeys you've ever killed in a season? 20 plus. The least number of turkeys you've ever killed in a season? Zero. Out of all the states you've hunted, which state has the most uncooperative turkeys? Georgia. If you only knew how to imitate one turkey sound to call turkeys, what would it be? Cluck. On a scale of one to ten, how good of a turkey caller do you think you are? Four. Favorite turkey hunting book? Henry Edward Davis's The American Wild Turkey. Who taught you how to turkey hunt? Parker Whedon. Think of the toughest turkey you've ever hunted. Did you ever kill him? Yes. Do you prefer long, sharp spurs or long, thick beards? Long, sharp spurs. Biggest mistake new turkey hunters make? Impatience. How long does turkey season last in heaven, and what is the bag limit? Bag limit is uh, one a day. It lasts forever. Oh, we have a new winner. That was awesome. <laughs> <You> may, <laughs> well, uh, I'd talk so much, maybe I'd run out of anything to say. You <laughs> <laughs> answered perfectly. That, that was excellent. You beat well, a Yankee. Tony Caggiano by 0.28 seconds with two minutes and 34 seconds even, which means that puts Ron Jolly now in third place. <laughs> well, it's always good. To, it's always good to beat in the Yankees. So, uh, uh, particularly one with an Italian-sounding name. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think the the key to, to my success there uh, was that I'm so blooming highly opinionated. I, you know, I, I've got instant opinions on everything, and I could have elaborated on some of those uh, on and on, such as uh, uh, holographic sights and scopes and so forth. Uh, but I. Uh, you know, I, I realized you're giving me due warning. Uh, be short <laughs> and sweet. Yeah. Well, you well, complied and, and won it. That's awesome. Yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah you did. And we, we had, so you you talk about how you could elaborate on some of those. We had Will Primos on, and, and I know you know Will. And, oh, yeah, I've hunted with Will. Will is is just an, a walking encyclopedia of not just turkeys, but lots and lots of things in life. And he, he could not refused to give a short brief answer he wanted to elaborate on all of them and of course i was not going to stop him i i just you know right you gotta you gotta enjoy that when you can get it so 
Yeah, well, let me, let me before you get going, give you a tip for a future guest that you might want to uh, uh, try to run down if you haven't already had him. Okay. Because I, I've been privileged to hunt with a lot of the really big names in the sport over the years. But if I had to go to one guy to put turkey on the tape and for a fellow who is a pure joy to be around, it would be Eddie Salter. If you could ever do a, a podcast with Eddie, uh, I guarantee he'll entertain and enlighten you. And he is, I think what sets him apart as much as anything, he believes, he thinks there's a turkey behind every tree. He is convinced the next <laughs> ridge that you top, you're going to hear one gobble. He, 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 he's the eternal optimist when it comes to turkeys. And, uh, and he sure uh, is uh, my ideal of a committed and extraordinarily capable turkey hunter. So if you can get Eddie sometime, do it. We've had we Eddie had on the him. show. Yeah, yeah a oh, few times. Okay. <laughs> All right. He, uh, well, I'm not surprised. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is very entertaining. He is, yep. and, and you're right. He's a, a delight to be around and just mm-hmm. general, just all-around nice guy. And Oh, yeah, he really know, is. There, there's none of that putting on airs and you know, we mentioned another one just like that, and that's Will Primos. And, you know, yeah. so so many of these guys that have, that have you know, I, I guess are our modern-day turkey hunting legends are just yeah. through and through just the nicest, most genuine people that you'd ever want to be around. And Right. You yeah, know, they, I, they are. We're, we're blessed to have them in the sport. And it doesn't take long to pick those out who aren't. Uh, right. Uh, right. You know, <laughs> there's some uh, pretenders out there as, as well, and we won't get into names, but uh, just give me a guy who's uh, down to earth and country as cornbread, and I'll take him every time. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I'm with you. Yeah. Well, Jim, we enjoyed this. I, I, I mean, this was a lot of fun for me, and I thank you so well, much for taking time to come out and share your knowledge and share some of the history and some of your opinions. And it's just been a blast and I'd, I'd love to do it again sometime. All right. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's been my pleasure. If I've been helpful and uh, not sounded too overridingly stupid, well, that's good too. And like you have found out, uh, if nothing else, I don't have much trouble in, uh, uh, talking. Uh, my dad pretty well had me sized up, although I would say in closing, the apple didn't fall far from a tree because <laughs> daddy could tell a tale as well. Uh, yeah. That's well, awesome. Well, you guys listening, be sure to go check out Jim's website, pick up a couple of his books. They're not all just about turkeys. He's a fly yeah, fishing uh, machine, and if any of you guys are interested in, in fly fishing, he's got you covered there as well. So. More bit of self-promotion. Uh, I also got a bunch of cookbooks, and if you saw my uh, physical profile, you'd understand that I must be a pretty good cook <laughs> or a heck of an eater. Huh? Oh, I uh, love it. Yeah, I, I personally recommend folks go pick up Remembering the Greats, Profiles of Turkey Hunting's Old Masters, if you're interested in reading about some of these legends that Jim has talked about that came before us. And I just finished it. Excellent book. And I've also read America's Greatest Game Bird, by which is Archibald Rutledge's Tales. And it's mostly fall turkey hunting, but it is excellent as well. It's an awesome read that Jim edited and put together. So jimcasadaoutdoors.com, take do that. Make sure you go do that. Thank you so much for joining us, Jim. I 
can't tell you how much I've enjoyed this talk. All right. Thanks, y'all. Have a great day. It was good chatting with you. You yep, too. You good too. luck this afternoon yep. in the deer stand. All right. I, I'll have peace in mind, and there may be venison on the table. We'll see about that. All right. <laughs> we'll say a prayer. Have a good one. All right. Thanks, Jim. There you have it. Our new new, new record. <laughs> new record holder. That's, That's awesome. Exciting stuff. And I mean, to beat it by hundreds of a second just doesn't get any better than that. Jim said he likes to talk, but I, I didn't think he was going to be a, a quick participant on rapid fire Q and a, but he nailed it, man. That was awesome. And, and everything he said before that with the cool insight into some of those hunters he's known and not known or the books and just pieces of history of Turkey hunting. What a, what an awesome interview. Yeah, it really was. I enjoyed man, it. Yeah. And would love to get him back on sometime in a not too distant future. So absolutely. I think we could talk to him about any topic on earth and get plenty of knowledge from it as it pertains to turkeys because he's well read and well written on the topic and in the meantime ron jolly you can take a few lessons from jim <laughs> we're always poking fun at him that's for sure <laughs> oh man well, he started was, it <laughs> that's true he did so that was awesome well maybe we'll have ron jolly on for redemption here soon but that was awesome really enjoyed that interview i'm gonna make the favor of the week this week the same one i've done the past couple weeks because i haven't received any inquiries if you have a guest you'd like for us to have on the show turkey related please because this is turkeys all the time scientists biologist hunter good old boy down the street that's got a cool story whatever it may be reach out to andy or myself and send us that information on, on who and a contact if, if you have it and we'll try to get them on the show and that's that's gonna be the favor of the week this week i like it so cool let's wrap this thing up wrap it up Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you have a wonderful week, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.